Welcome to Your Career Podcast, the podcast that helps to ensure your career success. To start getting on track with your career, download my free career goals calendar from thecareersacademy.online. My goals calendar includes a smart goals template and a weekly tasks sheet that will ensure step-by-step you get closer to reaching your career goals. So download my goals calendar today at thecareersacademy.online. Now on with the show. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas introducing Jane Jackson Careers, a podcast that will inspire you to take control of your career and your life. Here's your host, Jane Jackson, career management coach and author of Navigating Career Crossroads. Be prepared to ignite. Welcome to Jane Jackson Careers, a podcast that takes your career to the next level. Here's your host, Jane Jackson, author of Amazon Careers bestseller, Navigating Career Crossroads. Well, hello and welcome back to my careers podcast. Today, I have a fabulous videographer on the show, Jeff Anderson. Now, let me give you a little background into Jeff. Jeff loves helping his clients tell their stories through video. Since 1993, he's owned and operated Sonic Site, a video production facility in Sydney, Australia. He's worked for clients on productions throughout Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, and the US. Jeff's a video producer, a cameraman, an editor, a director, and a scriptwriter. He has a degree in science, majoring in biochemistry and pure maths. Achieving this qualification caused Jeff to ask himself, what was he doing with his life? Realizing he needed to flee from the science lab, he headed overseas and spent two winters skiing in France and the summer in between working in Corsica. During this time, he was paid to water ski, windsurf, sail, scuba dive, pour beers, drink beers, drive around Corsica, grow watermelons, and occasionally (laughs) electrocute himself. And then somehow he found himself in banking before reinventing himself as a videographer. Jeff is the author of Shoot Me Now, Making Videos to Boost Business, a prolific blogger on video, a regular contributor to Leaders in Heels. He presents on the topic of using video to boost business. When not working, Jeff can be found on the ski slopes or dressing up as a pirate. Sometimes both at the same time. You're going to love listening to Jeff's story today, I can tell. Now, Jeff has been a radio announcer and has two children, Cassie and Max. And now let's welcome Jeff onto the show. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Hello, Jane. I'm very well, thank you. Thanks very much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Well, I've been looking forward to your story because it's, uh, well, first of all, when I was reading the introduction and well, when I was, uh, when when you first sent it to me, I just thought, oh, this this guy is so funny. (laughs) It's going to be really interesting to hear your story. (laughs) So thank you for sharing that little bit in your intro. So how about to kick us off, let's just find out a little bit about you and your early days. Did you have a dream about a specific career or what you wanted to be when you were young and thinking about what you wanted to be when you grew up? Um, actually, I think at one point, um, and I, look, I, I've, I grew up on the northern suburbs of Sydney. And my father's an eye doctor. Um, we went to private schools. And at one point, they were doing renovations on the home and these guys were laying down these bricks. And I'm, I don't know, it must have been about six or something and I said when I grow up I want to be a bricklayer and I could see this 
look, snobbery or whatever it was, the look in mum and dad's face was thinking, oh, but, you know, we're hoping for something a little bit else than that for you. And I sort of like thought, oh, that looks like a really good fun. I could get myself into that. So that's the only thing I can recall at a young age of having any, you know, ambition for. And after that, I, you know, I, I moved on from that. And I, I must say, I've, um, I've, I never really knew where I was going or what I wanted to be. So it was very much just, a, you know, a journey of one step after another um, to get to uh, where I am now. Well, I suppose with the bricklaying, it's a bit like playing with Lego, isn't it? <laughs> which yeah, would, have, yeah, which I've, would I've, have been good fun. But then, so, and okay. you get tangible results right in front of you. You can yeah. see, the, see the output. Yeah, and then you're outdoors. And I think, oh, I mean, it's, it's lovely. Yeah. Now, so from there, and then you ended up going to university and majoring in biochemistry and pure maths. What was your thinking behind that? How did you choose those subjects for uni? Well... Well, that's another story. So what happened was I actually tried to get into dentistry. Um, my brother was a dentist. My father was a doctor. I, I didn't have the marks to get into medicine, and I was four marks short of dentistry. And I'd heard that if you did a science degree and you did really well, then you could transfer over to dentistry. So I thought, okay, well, I'll try that. And I got a couple of credits in the first year, but nothing, nothing very impressive to enable me to transition across. So I did the second year of dentistry. And then after two years of dentistry, I thought, oh, sorry, sorry, second year of science. And after two years of science, I thought, I don't want to be a scientist. And my father had always said, just get a degree. doesn't matter what it is. Just get a degree, then you've got it. And I thought, well, at this point, I can walk away after two years and have nothing to show for it, or I can do another year and actually have something to show for it. And it was funny, that, that third year, it was, I, I ended up with those subjects, I think, because that was all I had left that I could actually take through because I'd spent second year doing Taekwondo instead of going to chemistry classes. And um, so I wasn't doing too well there. But um, yeah, so I, so I decided, look, I'd go ahead and do it. And funnily enough, that third year was actually probably the most enjoyable year. Even though I decided at that point I wasn't going to pursue um, science, um, I don't know, I just got in the flow of it a bit better and just you know, had, had more fun doing it. Wow, well, that sounds interesting. Bricklayer, dentistry, getting into taekwondo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so basically... No clear they... for me yet. <laughs> exactly. It makes me start to think, I think that bubbling along entrepreneurship was probably in you because usually with entrepreneurs, they're quite contrary all the time anyway and they, they never quite fit into any box. So so when, when you graduate... I, I look forward to, to the end of this interview of making some sense of all of this, Jane. That'll be quite, <laughs> quite therapeutic for me, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm interviewing you. I'm not coaching you. Jeff, but anyway, let's, let's let's find out a bit more because it, it's just this, you've got such a fascinating story. Okay, so then you graduated, and what what were you thinking you might do with this this biochemistry and pure maths degree? Um, head in the opposite direction, I think. Mm. Uh, and actually, I forgot to mention you, you reminded me so many things. Um, so what I decided to do, I, I had I, I'm one of seven children. My older siblings had travelled overseas, and they had a lot of good things to say about it. And I thought, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. I'll do that. Mm. Um, so I thought I need to get a job somewhere um, that I'm not going to. And you know, I, I guess I have a sense of loyalty. I wanted to get a job somewhere that I'm not going to feel bad about leaving because I'm going to go and travel overseas. So I thought, well, I'll get a job at a government agency where, you know, there's so many others, you know, I'm just a number, it won't matter. And I ended up getting a job at the Department of Social Security. And I was giving out family allowance money. I was um, giving out unemployment benefits, sickness benefits. 
And I worked there for about eight months until I had saved up a bit of money, not enough, but um, to, to leave it to go overseas. But what was actually fascinating and so, it, it, looking back at my journey, so useful for me was that I saw so many people who were at best existing at work. They would turn up, they would do the work and they would go home and they were soul. It was soulless. It was very, very disappointing. It was just, and I thought, it's got to be more. Work takes up too much time of your life to be spent so miserable. Um, and so after, after working there and saving up a bit of money, I thought, right, let's, let's go for a ski overseas. So I went over with a couple of my brothers, one of them left in London, another one, and I went to, um, France. Um, and I managed to, to land a job, um, uh, washing in a hotel, uh, doing the, the kitchen in a, in a kitchen, washing plates, mm-hmm. um, and getting a ski pass, um, which was, um, great for me. And then in the uh, in, after that ski season, I then managed to get a job through the companies there. So there's English companies over there that run resorts, and um, they you know the staff move between the summer and winter resorts. And I managed to get a job in Corsica as a handyman. Um, and I remember the interview I had for that, where this lady was saying, "So um, you know, a handyman does all these different duties. You're, you're looking after the gardening and the maintenance, and the um, you're the relief barman, the relief dishwasher, you're the driver." And I'm going, "Yes, yes." And I've been told, you know, it was a great job to have because nobody knew where you were meant to be at any particular point. Um, so you had a bit of freedom with it all. But she said to me, so if there was a problem with the pontoon and it needed to be fixed, you know, and there was, you know, a problem with it, you know, what would you do? I said, oh, well, I'd, you know, I'd look at it and I'd work out, you know, what was wrong. And I'd, and she goes, and you'd fix it. I go, yeah, I'd fix it. And I'm thinking, what the hell's a pontoon? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I got that job, and I must say that was um, that was probably the best five years of my life. It was just uh, an idyllic, and I highly recommend people, you know, young people, get overseas, do some travelling, have some experiences. But there, I was um, working in this hotel where there was about eighteen staff. Five of us were Australian, um, the rest were English. Um, but we could, you know, the guests would come to sail and windsurf and water ski. And we'd get to do all those activities as well, except we were getting paid to do it. As I pointed out to a couple of snobby English guests who were um, saying we're all just bums. And as we all rattled off our university degrees, they kind of went, oh, okay, maybe you're actually not so stupid after all. You've got a bit of a plan for this. (laughs) (laughs) Which was basically... When we can, we're we're in our early twenties. It was a wonderful experience. Yeah. Oh, I think that's fantastic. You know, it's quite quite interesting. You, just going back to when you joined the government agency, and for you, you felt you know feeling that the role was a little bit soulless in a way because when you're in a role like that, all you do is you wait for Friday, and I guess that's where they coined you know thank God it's Friday that that term because everyone's just looking forward to the last day of the week so they can have two days off on the weekend. But you, I, I know that for myself because you know obviously it's my own coaching business I don't even notice when it's a Friday and I think that's the thing you know when you are enjoying it and you know as being a business owner you you know you're working all the time but you don't think of it as work you're thinking that it's like you know there's there's satisfaction that you get from it Mm. Um, but I think it was a really useful experience for me at a young age it was really my first full-time serious job and I just realised, you know what, we spend way too much time in our life working to be doing something that you're not enjoying. Mm, that's right. And also, for, so for you, taking yourself off to Corsica and doing all of this, because obviously you're a really sporty guy, and enjoying all of that, that it wouldn't have even felt like work. It would have felt like fun and you were getting paid for it. 
Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. And, and you know, it was a great team. I actually just caught up a couple of weeks ago. We went skiing, and this is going back 27 years ago. But I caught up with some of the people we worked with in Corsica. You know, we're still friends. Yeah, fantastic. How, how many years did you spend um, working in Corsica in total? So that was just five months. So I did mm-hmm. a summer there. So I did a winter before. I did mm-hmm. a summer there. And then after Corsica, I did another winter. And this was a case when, when you're overseas, there's something completely liberating about it. You have nothing to lose. And I put my hand up for a job that I would never have tried to do if I was back home because I guess I had more to lose or I don't know what. But it was a resort um, rep for this company in a ski ski resort. I was meant to be fluent in French. Well, um, and you, you answer the questions as best you can. And she answered it, do you speak French? And I said, well, yes, absolutely, I speak French, which <laughs> I did. I just wasn't fluent in it. Mm. Um, and they were desperate for somebody that they were running out of time until the guests arrived. I would, I'd been recommended by one of my friends that I'd worked with in Corsica who said, look, Jeff's up to this job. And I didn't know if I was up to the job, but I figured, well, let's, I need a job. It's here. It's a good job. I get to, I get to be a ski guide as well. So I get to go, I get paid to go skiing, um, for four days a week. And I thought, yeah, I'll do that. So, um, yeah, I stepped up to it and I got the job and um, I was 22 or 23 and um, yeah, I just learned it on the fly and just did it. And um, it gave me, a, and that was a really useful experience, that job, because it gave me a sense of what I was capable of because I'd pushed myself outside my comfort zone. And, um, and I, rose to the, I rose to the situation. I did a good job. Um, and... Yeah, and I think at around that time, I started feeling like this bubbling sense of, I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to have my own business. Mm. And that was, I think that was the start of it. Just, I guess, going through that experience in France, in the ski fields, and just seeing how I rose to the situation, I thought, yeah, look, I think that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think it sounds like you, you always say to yourself, you know, just say yes, give it a go and see how it goes. Because as long as you're able to, you know, come up with the right solutions at the right time and not being fearful and, and you just, I mean, as, as you say, it is quite liberating when you feel like, well, I've got nothing to lose. Let me see what I can learn. And hey, maybe I'll be really good at it. And it sounds like you have been as well. Now, there was just this one little bit in your intro that um, you found yourself in banking. Now, how did that happen? Oh, that was an accident. <laughs> that was, well, that was so. I came back from overseas and caught up with uh, a couple of mates who were. We used to do radio announcing at this community radio station, and um, we decided that we'd go into business together. It was going to be based around doing events, and one of the partners was doing a bit of event work. The other partner was technical director at Channel Nine, so he had sort of video experience. And I wasn't exactly, we weren't exactly sure what I was going to contribute, but, you know, we, we felt there was a place for me to do some creative ideas or something. And so we were building that business up part-time and I needed a job in the meantime until that business was a viable business. And so I wanted a job that was going to have a telephone so I could ring my mates. That was the, <laughs> that was the, the that was priority pre, for me. Your prerequisite. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, want, I, wanted, I wanted a job that I'd have access to a telephone. Um, which, of course, I never needed to call them during the day anyway, but it seemed like an important priority. And I had a friend who was working at uh, the State Bank of New South Wales on a graduate training scheme. Now, this is where the degree came in handy. Because I had a degree, I got fast-tracked in the system, which meant 
I got to learn, you know, the, the basic stuff, the telling and other stuff, and then got quickly advanced to becoming a loans officer. And then I put my hand up to become a commercial loans officer, which because it was, it was a good role to have, but more importantly, as somebody who was starting a business, which was, you know, bubbling away in the background, it was incredibly useful training on what you needed to know to run a successful business because we had to assess loan applications based on their viability as a business. And so we had to know, well, what did a good business look like? What were they doing that, you know, would tick the boxes? And so I did this course and some of the takeaways I had from that that have stayed with me was things like um, profit is much more important than turnover. You've got to keep your eye on the cash flow um, and having a broad client base. Because if you've got you know every, everything in one one basket, it's it's not a good uh, a good safe situation. So that ended up, and I was soaking up that information because I thought I need to know this for my business. Um, and so I was at the bank for about a year and a half, maybe two years. I think it was a year and a half before our um, part time business got to a point where we could take it full time. And so we we stepped across to that. Um, and we did that for a couple of years until it just got very difficult with one of the partners it was just a personality clash and it was just very, very um, difficult to work with. And so I said, look, once again, I, I, what happened was I woke up one morning and I thought, I don't want to go to work today because of this other guy that I'm working with. And I thought, this is crazy. This is my own business and I don't even want to be there. What am I doing? And so... Um, I, I, I had a chat to the other partner, Tim, and I said, look, I've, I've had enough of this. I can't put up with it anymore. And he said, well, actually, I have as well, and I'm thinking of leaving, which surprised me. So anyway, we got talking and decided we'd both leave. So we left and we started Sonic Site back in uh, January 1993. Wow, and it sounds like you've, you haven't looked back since then. Actually, that's really interesting because it, it was almost like a, a – a way a means to an end by joining the bank and learning really that financial side of it, which would have put you in really good stead for your own business and needing perhaps mm. to get a loan in order to you know keep building the business as well. But something that, that you mentioned that I thought was really interesting was you're talking about the personality of your partner when you were in your own business. Because so many people thinking of setting up their, their own business and going into partnership, oh, it's going to be so wonderful. But it's, it's really, it's a relationship. And if the yeah. personalities don't gel well and the expectations aren't laid down clearly, there can end up being, you know, quite a fair bit of resentment or discomfort. And when you're in your own business and you don't even want to be there, that's not a good place to be. So good on you for, for setting up your own Sonic site now. Um, and obviously being it's, it's been running now for, wow, such a long time and very successful, which is wonderful. So obviously you're doing it yeah. your own way because it sounds like, look, from bricklayer to dentistry to taekwondo to the government agency, <laughs> Department of Social Security, Corsica, water skiing, snow skiing, radio announcing, <laughs> joining the bank. You, you haven't taken the traditional career path, but it's fantastic because I think for anyone listening who's wondering about what could I do with my life, really... It, it could be anything. Oh, I'm not sure if you can hear the barking dog in the background. Um, <laughs> I do apologise. I'm, I'm babysitting. Yes, I'm babysitting my daughter's dog, who's who's been a bit naughty and she's off at work. So anyway, let's hope if she if she continues barking, I'll have to edit it out. But if not, I'm sure it'll be fine. But back to to um, all of the changes that you've had going through. 
uh, your career, it does show that if you give something a go and you build up on all of your skill sets, you never know where it might lead you in the end. Well, that's right. And I think there was a couple of things that happened when we left that first company. We were working really hard and that was being driven by this third partner who his agenda was, you know, the the business was, was uh, you know, we needed to be there for the business. We needed to basically, it all had to be about the business. And, you know, which, which I, I thought you needed to get the balance a bit better. And anyway, when Tim and I started Sonic Sight, we said, let's, we want the business to be there for us. And we want to be able to enjoy the business. We want the business to provide us opportunities to travel, to provide us opportunities to experience things rather than we having to be there to kill ourselves for the business. So it was, it was spinning it around for us. And I think that's why the business has, has survived mm. um, because it's about being enjoying it. The whole, and it was a simple concept to start with that I only in hindsight I've reflected upon. I thought, wow, it's a really useful way of, of having a statement at the beginning when we met to talk about, okay, well, if we create this business on site, you know, what's its purpose? And its purpose was to be an enjoyable um, business for us rather than, you know, for us to kill ourselves to, to have the business. Yeah. Um, and so in doing that, we've, we've actually generated a, a, a small business. It's never been designed to be a big, you know, multi-billion dollar company with hundreds and thousands of staff. It's always been about, you know, just enjoyable which I has think, been really useful. Yeah, I think that that's the most important thing is to enjoy what you do. So with Sonic Sight, tell me about the services that you offer. It's a video production company. And so what do you do? So we um, produce corporate and promotional videos. We've also produced documentaries over the years that have been broadcast on um, national television. Um, what we do is we try to help our customers get clarity on what they're trying to say Often they, they're very close to their own business, so they get a little bit confused about um, what it is people are actually interested in hearing about. So as an outsider, we can come in and help them actually refine their message and have a, and then create a video that resonates with people, that, that converts into business for them. Mm. And from a training perspective, we can help people get the right message across with that as well. Yeah. Um, also- so it's, it's all sorts of videos. Oh, sorry, um, I, I just jumped in there. Yeah, sorry on. for interrupting you. I'm just very excited to find out more about your book uh, because you're the author of Shoot Me Now, Making Videos to Boost Business. So tell, mm. tell me a little bit about the book as well. Uh, so the book uh, really, you know, it's never been easier for people to make videos. It's, you know, the technology is, is everybody's hands in their in their pocket, in their phones. And... Video is such a compelling way to engage with people. People are really jumping on the bandwagon with it for for their websites, with online communication. And I realised that a lot of people are, are, are doing it, but they're not doing it as effectively as they could. They're wasting money, they're wasting time, they're making a lot of mistakes. And I thought it'd be really useful to just for me to distill my 20 years of experience and back, probably a, a step I need to take in this journey is when, when we started Sonic Side, I wasn't really a video guy. My business partner, Tim, was. But it was just by osmosis that I've learned it over the last 20 years. And I've often looked back at it and thought, well, you know, who am I to be an expert in video production? 
I'd never went to university. I never did the courses and, and everything else. I've, I've just learned all this on the fly. But in the next breath, I realized that I could teach this stuff because I've, I know so much about it. And so writing the book was, you know, was a little bit of a challenge for me because I thought, well, you know, who am I to know, you know, all this stuff? And then I thought, well, actually, I've produced hundreds of videos. I've learned a lot. I've made mistakes. I've seen other people make mistakes. I've learned from other experts in the field as well. And I realized I'm the one who has this knowledge that I only I have from all the different experiences I have. And um, I remember a friend of mine who's a fantastic cameraman. He's... Um, he shot Mythbusters for six years and has done all sorts of productions. And he read my book. And, he, and I thought, well, you know, there's nothing new under the sun he's going to get from that. But he came back to me with this, you know, wonderful praise and, and, you know, saying, wow, there's so much stuff in there that I didn't know. And I'm going, really? You didn't know that stuff? And I realized that actually there's certain stuff that I've been exposed to that not everybody's been exposed to. And I've collated that into the book. So it's, it takes people through the steps they need to know if they want to make video productions um, and, you know, how to do it and yeah. what not to do. Yeah, I think with the book, because I've, I've got the book and I found it really, really helpful. I, I don't, obviously, I don't know how to make professional uh, video productions. And for that, then you need someone like you to do it. But for just little YouTube instructional videos, just going through the information that you've provided, it's told me a little bit about lighting and a little bit about sound and how I should frame the picture. And it's actually improved what I've been able to do just, just by reading your book. So that's thank you for writing it because it's been so, so very helpful. And now, so Jeff, well, if- you're, most, you're, most, you're most welcome because actually part of what I wrote it for is I find it really frustrating when I see people making videos and just making some really simple mistakes that, uh, you know, damage the whole output. And I thought, oh, I wish you'd just asked me. I would have, you know, happily told you what to do or what not to do so that you don't have that happen. And that was part of the, the premise for it as well. I thought, well, look, if people are going to do it, they're going to do it themselves anyway. Then look, you know, just you know, listen, do this, do that, don't do that. So um, that was kind of the motivation for it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, certainly for me, if I wanted a, a full professional video done, I'd go through your book and I think, oh no, we need all this equipment. We need, we need the professionals in to be able to edit it properly. So you know, it's it's better to bring in the professionals. But it's just little little YouTube clips like like what I've been doing. I found just those tips that you provided have been so helpful. Now, Jeff, if someone wants to work with you or have you do their uh, corporate video or to you know produce a, a documentary for them, how would they reach you? Uh, SonicLight.com.au um, is my website. That's s o n i c s i g h t dot com dot au or Jeff Anderson. That's g e o double s Anderson dot com dot au. Um, and yeah, give me a call. You'll find the details on those websites. Mm-hmm. And, I'm happy um, to uh, talk through you know what we do and and how we do it. Um, probably also in terms of the journey and and um, of of how I got here. I guess I'm still on a journey. Um, I'm loving what I do. Um, but I think, I don't know if uh, I still found my end goal in terms of, of what it is. But, you know, it, it doesn't mean I'm not enjoying it. But my brother, who is a, um, a pilot, and he always knew he wanted to be a pilot. And he um, gave me some great advice at one point. He says, look, if you don't know what you want to do, just... Do something and really apply yourself to it. Just throw yourself into that until something else comes along or you, you see something else that you want to do. 
because it's uh, I think there's a lot of pressure for us to find our passion and and I think there's a bit of issues with that. You might feel a bit guilty if you haven't found your passion yet. And uh, I think it's an ongoing journey. Mm, I, I 100% agree because, I mean, life is there to be lived. And if you have the more experiences you have, the richer, you know, life's tapestry ends up being. And I think one of the wonderful things would be to look back on your life, say when you're 95, 100, 104, whatever it is, and think, you know what, I did so much. I'm really proud of myself and I'm really proud of everything that I've achieved because I was never afraid to give something a go. And I think that's the most important Mm. thing. Can you give us the top three tips for success as an entrepreneur? Um, Yeah, well, the first thing is as an entrepreneur, you need to understand what it is that your clients um, need, you know, what, what their problem is that you're solving for them. Um, you know, without that, then you're not really going to be of value to people. Um, I also say you should use um, talented people. So, yes, I can do a lot of the, the stuff I do myself, but I'm not the best at it. Um, I, I'm, you know, I might be the, the best at sort of my mountain of knowledge that I have, that I have my experiences and my, you know, collective experiences, but there are better cameramen than me. There are better editors than me. Um, And so I like to find, you know, the people that have got those skill sets and I'll use different cameramen for different jobs. So use, use long-term, sorry, use um, talented people that are, that are experts in, in the different aspects of the process that you need. Um, So work out where your value is that only you can do and then work out where um, there are other people who can who can add to the whole overall offering. And the third thing I would say is um, look at this being a long-term scenario. Don't look for short wins that are going to, you know, damage you or your reputation or, or worth your client's experience. Look at this as a long-term goal and, you know, always be aware of how this is going to impact on your reputation because, that's what you're going to have to sustain you over over the long term. Yeah, that that's really really valuable because your reputation is everything, uh, whether it's your own business or whether you're working for somebody else as well. Um, to to really think that okay, I'm in here for the long haul and I'm going to keep learning and I'm going to keep adding value. Very very helpful mm-hmm. tips, Jeff. I appreciate it, and I believe you have a special offer for listeners as well. What's that? I do. Well, I've got an online video course, which um, you know I think it's. Uh, it's funny, I, I wrote a book which is all about video production. It does include links to videos in it, but it seemed to make a lot more sense to actually create a video course about video production <laughs> for people, yes. um, which I've done. And that's that's got over two hours of, of content. Um, and it sells for $247, I think, US um, online. But uh, listeners of the podcast can get it for 60% off. So if they um, go to the link that you provide, uh, they'll be able to get that for... Um, uh, $99 or $97 US. Oh, that's should, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we can, con- we can do the conversion later. Okay, because I'll have all of this information on my show notes on my website, janejacksoncareers.com. Just click on the podcast section and you'll find Jeff's 
interview there and down at the bottom I'll have all of Jeff's um, websites and links that you can click on in order to get to the Udemy course as well and um, there's a oh there's a coupon code there so there'll be a link where you can just click on it and you can get the 60% discount how good is that well I've been very lucky to have you on the show Jeff thank you so much you've had such an interesting fascinating life and so many changes which just goes to show that I think if you dance in the moment and you're always saying yes to new opportunities and being willing to learn and upgrade your skills and surround yourself with good people as well who can provide um, expertise in the areas where maybe you're not as strong. That's that's fantastic advice. So thank you so much, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Thank and you, I, And I hope to be able to have you on the show again for um, part two of um, the Jeff Anderson journey. <laughs> I look forward to that. <laughs> thank you, Jane. It's been Thanks. an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's wonderful. Thank you, Jeff. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Jane Jackson Careers. Sign up to receive regular career advice at janejacksoncoach.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Your Career Podcast, I invite you to check out my career success program at thecareersacademy.online. The Career Success Program is the original program that uniquely provides 24-7 on-demand career support and fortnightly live career coaching sessions to keep you on track to reach your career goals. It is the essential resource for anyone who wants to manage their career effectively, make a career change and land the job they'll love. Whether you're in exploration mode or seeking a new career direction and need help to make it a reality, the Career Success Program is for you. Not only do you get access to my step-by-step roadmap to navigate your career crossroads, my extensive training library and exclusive members-only discounts and tools, you'll also become part of my supportive community of professionals who will help you with feedback, encouragement and advice. All this and more makes the Career Success Program the number one place to be for anyone looking to start, manage and grow their career. Check it out and join me at thecareersacademy.online.